I'm Kip Allen, host of World Lutheran News Digest. My guest today is Mr. Eric Stanley, who's a senior counsel with the Alliance Defending Freedom. Uh, Eric, tell me about yourself and about the ADF. Uh, sure. Uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, I'm senior counsel for Alliance Defending Freedom, and I had the Center for Christian Ministries here at ADF, and it's basically a group of attorneys who are dedicated to preserving the constitutional rights of churches, pastors, uh, Christian ministries, and that's all that we focus on. Uh, ADF has been in existence for a number of years, and uh, we're an organization that's dedicated to preserving the right of people to freely live out their faith. Uh, and we do that through training and advocacy and through uh, litigation, which I'm a part of. Uh, and our, our mission, really, you can boil it down pretty simply. Uh, we work hard to keep the legal door open for the spread of the gospel, and uh, it's a privilege to work and, and do this work day in and day out. We have a case here in the state of Missouri that is coming up. In fact, it's going to be heard before the U.S. Supreme Court, and the ADF is involved in it. This is the case of Trinity Lutheran Church in Columbia, Missouri. They have a preschool, and they run a little playground, and there is a state program whereby used tires are ground up and make a uh, a rubber bed that's for use in playgrounds all over. There's one very close to me, a playground quite close to me, and I see the, you know, the, the, the material there. You know, children being children, they do fall from swings and jungle gyms and what have you, and landing on rubber is a lot better than landing on gravel. However, it turns out that the state of Missouri told Trinity Lutheran that they can't have this, they can't participate in this program, they can't get this grant to uh, use the resurfacing because they're a religious organization. What's happening here? Well, that's exactly right. You know, this goes back to 2012 when Trinity Lutheran applied for a grant under the scrap tire program in the state. And, and the program itself is a good program. It was intended to take, uh, reduce the number of tires in the landfills of the state uh, and to basically take that scrap tire material, grind it up, use it to resurface playgrounds. And it's open, the program is open to any nonprofit organization and, and some governmental organizations as well. Uh, so Trinity Lutheran applied. They talked about their playground, about how the children in the preschool and the daycare use the playground, and also how children from the surrounding community play on the playground uh, after school hours and on the weekends. Uh, and the, the playground that they had was surfaced with pea gravel, uh, which was kind of an unforgiving surface for the kids as when they fell and kept migrating away from the play structures. And, and so they were, they were struggling to try to keep it in place. And they wanted to use the grant to put a pour-in-place rubber surface that would be much safer for the kids, uh, would increase access to the playground for uh, the disabled, uh, and, and really would just overall help uh, the playground itself. And uh, the... Trinity Lutheran, when it submitted its grant application, uh, the state scores uh, the applications. They had 44 submitted that year. Trinity uh, ranked fifth out of all of those groups. The state gave out 14 grants that year, but yet it denied Trinity Lutheran uh, simply because the playground was owned by a church. And it relied upon a state constitutional provision that prohibits any direct or indirect aid to a church or religious denomination. And that constitutional provision has been around since the 1870s. Uh, and so that's what we challenged was the Department of Natural Resources denial of the church uh, solely because of the church. And, and it really boils down, you know, it seems like kind of an odd case, kind of a, 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 little, uh, a little bit of a minor issue, but big constitutional issues come out of, or decisions come out of minor issues. 
like this, in this case, really boils down to the constitutional issue that no church should ever be treated unequally or disadvantaged in participating in these neutral government programs solely because of its religious identity. Now, it's one thing for the state to adopt a neutral attitude toward uh, religion. Another thing for the state to adopt a hostile attitude, and I think this is one of the arguments that's being made, is that the Missouri Department, in this particular case, is showing active hostility to religion. Well, that's right. That is an argument that we are making to the court and have made all along, that you know, there would be no problem with allowing the Church to participate neutrally in this program. This is a, a neutral program. The criteria to participate in it are completely secular. Uh, the state looks at things like, you know, what's your playground like and, and how would you use the grant money? Uh, it looks at uh, the poverty area and the surrounding community, things of that nature, so, so purely secular things. Uh, and then it, it, the aid involved here, if, it, if it's to be considered aid, uh, is purely secular. We're talking about ground-up tires. Uh, so there would be no constitutional problem at all with allowing the Church to participate in this program. In fact, even though we lost at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals, the Eighth Circuit decision could say it was very clear under the U.S. Constitution that the state of Missouri could choose to allow the Church to participate in this program without violating the, the Establishment Clause of the U.S. Constitution. The, the problem has come in when Missouri has said, well, we have an interest in a, a higher degree of separation of Church and state than what is currently followed under the U.S. Constitution. And the problem becomes that that higher degree of separation of Church and state results in hostility to the Church, because really what we're talking about here is that the state is, is in order to kind of you know, stand by this higher degree of separation of church and state that it calls, it has to treat churches worse than everyone else. That's not neutral treatment. That's not, you know, that, that is just pure hostility toward religion. Uh, and that's what we're arguing, that it violates the free exercise clause of the U.S. Constitution. Well, not just that, Eric. We're talking about children here. It's not like the grant is going to be used to promote the gospel or to pr promote Lutheranism. It's for ch childhood safety, and not just the safety of the kids there, but I mean, as you pointed out, neighborhood kids use it as well. There's no restriction. There's no ban that says you've got to be a Lutheran child to play on this. Well, that's right, and, and I think that illustrates the absurdity of the state's position here and, and really why this case is important, because if the state of Missouri is allowed to get away with this, then really the state could justify excluding churches from all kinds of neutral government benefits and programs. So uh, examples that, that I, I usually give in this regard are things that the state could choose to exclude a church from fire protection, uh, because it says, well, we can't aid a church under our state constitution. Uh, a state could choose to exclude a church from police protection or from street and sidewalk repair in front of the church. A state could choose to exclude a church from hooking up to the state or to the city sewer system. Uh, you know, the list goes on and on. And our Constitution prohibits that type of hostility toward churches. No church should ever be disadvantaged or discriminated against solely because of its religious identity. That's hostility to religion. It's prohibited by the Constitution. What would appear at first to be a relatively minor case relegated just here to Missouri to a medium-sized city has achieved a, a fair amount of recognition. In fact, I believe 10 other states are taking an interest in this case. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. And, and we were very grateful for that. We, as I mentioned earlier, we, we lost the case at the, at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, by a two-to-one decision 
So it was a very close decision. Uh, and we asked the full Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals to rehear the case. Uh, the full Eighth Circuit uh, split on that issue five to five. Uh, so it was a very close uh, decision as to whether the full Eighth Circuit was going to rehear it. And so then we petitioned the U.S. Supreme Court to take the case. And while we were petitioning the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, ten states banded together, filed an amicus brief to support our petition to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, including other groups, uh, and, and among those were the Lutheran Church Missouri Senate asking the court to hear this case, to take it up because of the important principles involved. So we were very grateful when, in January, the Supreme Court agreed to take the case. Uh, this will be a very important case. Uh, we've seen significant interest from more than just the 10 states, but from groups and organizations across the religious spectrum, uh, and even from secular organizations that are very interested in this case, uh, because of what it could potentially, uh, the outcome could potentially be. What are the implications of this case? What uh, You mentioned that there are some very basic constitutional issues, and uh, as was also just pointed out, there's broad interest, not just from, uh, not just from uh, religious groups, but from state governments and from secular groups as well. They're very, very interested in the outcome of this case. Well, that's right. There are currently, uh, to, by, by, by different counts, there's anywhere from 30 to 37 states that have similar provisions in their constitutions to what Missouri has, uh, this no-aid provision that it relied upon to deny Trinity Lutheran Church. And interestingly, these provisions were added uh, back in the 1860s and 70s, uh, and they're called what's so-called Blaine Amendments, uh, named after Senator James Blaine, who tried to get an amendment into the federal constitution to prohibit funding of Catholic schools. And the Supreme Court has recognized that these state Blaine amendments uh, are really uh, born out of hostility to religion, out of anti-Catholic bigotry uh, that was really rampant at the time. But yet these state constitutional provisions have been used to uh, deny not only Trinity Lutheran Church in Missouri, but uh, other cases across the country involving just access by religious groups and churches to neutral government programs. Um, you know, a very similar provision was used by the and was upheld by the U.S. Supreme Court in 2004 to prevent a scholarship uh, program recipient from using his state scholarship to go to seminary. I hadn't and heard about we feel that. Like the, the, the court is is willing to reconsider that case to limit it. Uh, that was the Locke v. Davy case in 2004. Uh, and so this case will really uh, you know, bring to the forefront a set of facts that is extremely important um, and that will really give the court the opportunity to say, no, 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 these state constitutional amendments don't, they should not result in hostility to religion and to churches. Churches should be treated equally uh, and should have equal access to government programs and benefits just like anybody else. Now, the makeup of the Supreme Court has changed with the tragic death of Justice Scalia. Uh, personally, I would have felt a lot more comfortable about the outcome of this case uh, had the justice still been alive. How do you That's see right. the case now with uh, the justice absent from the court? From the court? Well, I, th I certainly think that the loss of Justice Scalia does throw a lot of things into uncertainty. Uh, you know, frankly, we were thinking that this case uh, you know, had a good chance of even garnering some other members of the court um, and their support, just because the facts of this case are so good. I mean, 
that we're talking about protecting children in a playground, that's about as far away as you can get from violating the so-called separation of church and state or, or anything like that. You know, if the government can show hostility in, in this context, when you're talking about chopped up tires, uh, then it could show hostility to religion in, in any context. So I think this, this has a, case has a good chance of garnering a majority of the court, even uh, with Justice Scalia's absence. Uh, one thing procedurally that I'll mention that I think is important, though, is our case is currently set for oral argument in October, uh, and it's not, un, uh, or it's, it's fairly common for uh, the Chief Justice to allow a case to go forward with argument with only eight justices on the court and see how the outcome would be. And if there's a four to four split, um, you know, if the court is evenly divided, uh, then the, the justice, uh, the chief justice might decide to allow the case to kind of sit on the docket to be rescheduled for oral argument later on when a ninth justice is added, uh, and then to have the decision made that way. So uh, I think either way, uh, we stand a really good chance of having the case uh, have a favorable outcome um, just because of the facts of it. Also, with a four to four to split, it could go back to the uh, original uh, ruling on the on the Eighth Circuit. Right, and and that would be unfortunate uh, if it's a four to four split uh, because we lost it at the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeals. Uh, you know, but again, I, I do think that uh, we have a, a good chance of garnering some of the other members of the court with this as well. Um, you know, this this type of a, of a situation where a state, a church is just asking to be involved in a state grant program on a purely secular program. It has nothing to do with religion. It doesn't even facilitate religion or make religion any easier. It's just a neutral program to protect the safety of children and reduce the number of tires in the landfill. And that being the case, I really feel that the court would, a majority of the court, even with only eight members, uh, would side with us in this. Um, and I think that really the court is is interested in limiting its earlier decision in 2004 on the scholarship uh, program of the seminary student. Um, there have been a number of justices who have kind of signaled a will signaled an interest in, in, in willingness to limit that decision. And this case gives them a perfect opportunity to do that. So this could have a lot more implications than just simply whether or not they can use tires, uh, you know, uh, reconstituted tires for the uh, the playground. Well, it really could. Uh, you know, the, the Supreme Court has really uh, changed its free exercise of religion case law. Um, in 1990, uh, there was a the, the Employment Division versus Smith case kind of radically changed how the Supreme Court dealt with free exercise of religion cases. Uh, that was a, an opinion authored by Justice Scalia. Uh, and the court has only decided two cases since that time frame that have dealt with the free exercise of religion, one in 1993, and another in 2004 with the scholarship program that I mentioned. Uh, and so this will really be kind of the next case to decide how the court will view free exercise of religion claims. Uh, it will be very vitally important uh, because it could set the framework for those free exercise claims for the next few decades to come. Uh, and we think that this case gives the court a good opportunity to really sound a resounding opinion in favor of the free exercise of religion, to to really hold that churches, religious organizations, religious people should not be discriminated against solely because of their religious identity, that we are full members of the community, that religion should not be considered a disabling thing or a disadvantagement to us, um, and that instead uh, we should be, the government should look on religion neutrally. 
and treat religion neutrally, as, it, as the state of Missouri should have done here with Trinity Lutheran Church. No one would have complained if the church had gotten the grant uh, and had resurfaced its playground, uh, and uh, the state could have gone about its, its program neutrally uh, the way that it should have been from the very beginning. And the very fact that the high court has said that it wants to hear this case, I think, highlights the point that the justices on all sides say this is an important issue. We have to make a decision on this. Well, that's right. One of the things that we highlighted to the court when we asked the court to hear it was the fact that uh, the the lower appellate courts had really taken uh, the the Supreme Court's 2004 decision in Locke versus Davey with the scholarship student who was not allowed to use his scholarship to go to seminary that the lower courts had taken that and had broadly expanded that decision to deny all kinds of religious participation in neutral government benefits and programs, and had really expanded that case far beyond what the court had really intended at the time. Uh, it was that the 2004 opinion was a seven to two opinion. It was authored by Justice Rehnquist, uh, and the court's membership has changed since that time. So I think the membership changed, the fact that the lower courts had kind of taken this case and expanded it beyond what the Supreme Court intended, uh, they're really signaling that they want to limit that case. They want to, uh, and I think my, my personal opinion on this, is that they are the court is signaling that it wants to issue an opinion that will protect religious freedom broadly, uh, and that will keep the state from discriminating and showing hostility to religion. The state of Missouri is going to have a very interesting time justifying why and how it can keep Trinity Lutheran Church out of this very neutral, very secular grant program. Well, we've got a lot of cases coming up over and above this one. It's going to be a very interesting legislative session and a judicial session as well. Eric, I want to thank you very much for being on the program today and clearing up these issues. And let's uh, and uh, we will see what's going on in the coming year. And I'm sure that we'll be discussing these issues with you more and more in the future. Well, thanks for having me on. And yes, I'm. I'm very anxious to see what the court does with this case and uh, would appreciate everybody's prayers and support as uh, we do the briefing and do the argument in this case later on in October. And we'll follow through on it. And God bless you and God bless the organization.